0: We'll read a section from the Srimad Bhagavatam today, chapter 7 of the first canto, The Son of Drona Punished. At text number 1, we have Shaunaka Rishi. And Shaunaka is the elder amongst the sages who's speaking on their behalf. And he says to Sutta Goswami, who's in the seat of esteem, O Sutta, the great and transcendentally powerful Vyasadeva heard everything from Sri Narada Muni. So after Narada's departure, what did Vyasadeva do? Purport, in this chapter, the clue for describing Srimad Bhagavatam is picked up as Maharaj Prikshet is miraculously saved in the womb of his mother. This was caused by Droni, Ashwatthama, Acharya Drona's son, who killed the five sons of Draupadi while they were asleep, for which he was punished by Arjuna. Before commencing the great epic, Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Śrī Vyasadeva realized the whole truth by trance in devotion. Then text number two, Suta is replying. He says, rama Nadyam sarasvatyam ashrama Tate. Shamya Prasa Iti Prokta Rishinam Satravardhanaha. Sutta says On the western bank of the river Saraswati, which is intimately related with the Vedas, there is a cottage for meditation at Shamya Prasa, which enlivens the transcendental activities of the sages. Prabhupada, for spiritual advancement of knowledge, a suitable place and atmosphere are definitely required. The place on the western bank of the Saraswati is especially suitable for this purpose. And there is the ashrama at Vyasadeva, and there is the ashrama of Vyasadeva at Prasa. Srila Vyasadeva was a householder, yet his residential place is called an ashrama. An ashrama is a place where spiritual culture is always foremost. It does not matter whether the place belongs to a householder or a mendicant. The whole Varnashrama system is so designed that each and every status of life is called an ashrama. This means that spiritual culture is the common factor for all. The brahmacharis, the Grahastas, the vanaprastas and the sannyasis all belong to the same mission of life, namely, realization of the Supreme. Therefore, none of them are less important as far as spiritual culture is concerned. The difference is a matter of formality on the strength of renunciation. The sannyasis are held in high estimation on the strength of practical renunciation. O majnana timarandasya, Gananjana shalakaya, So this point about the levels of renunciation and true renunciation is described by Shri Lubhugoswami, when he says "Anasaktasya Vishayan Yatarham Upanjita Nirbanda Krishna Sambandhayuktam Vairagya Mucite Prapanchiketayabuddhya Hari Sambandhivastuna Brahmukshibhi Pratyago Vairagyan Palugu Khatite Vairagyan Palugu Khatite," he says there is a false kind of renunciation, Palugu Vairagya, which correlates with the, the Palugu River in Gaya. There is a river that appears to be dry. It's a dry river, but if you plunge your hand into the sand underneath, you'll find some water. So sometimes, as Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, a pretender will renounce the world externally, but inside will maintain material desires. And this he calls cheating. And the real renunciation means that one has a change of heart. And this change of heart then gives one a different course in life, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vishaya Nira Rasavarjam Rasopyasya Param vartate." Vishaya He said sometimes we're performing austerities, controlling our senses, but internally we're still thinking about that sense activity. That it's going on in our mind. We're still attached to it, even though we're saying, no, I'm not going to touch it. And then he says there's a different level, which is that one gets a higher taste. That is, there's somewhere else to go besides that sense object. In the material world, the only offering we have is what's before us when we come out of the womb. The material senses, says the Hamsa avatar, when he's answering the questions of the Kumaras, the four kumaras, that... The world is inextricably, we are inextricably connected to the world, because the senses and the sense objects are embedded in one another. Practically, they're one. So it's no wonder that each sense has its way of correlating with or being inextricably drawn to a particular sense object. It's already connected. One thing goes with another. And according to the development of the modes of material nature within the consciousness of the living being, then there's a set of sense objects that are particularly attractive to such a person. And it's not until there's purification of heart that the living being realizes that there's another way to engage the senses. And that is the process of devotional service, Sarvopadi venir muktam tapratvina nirmalam rishi Rishi Kesha sevanam And there's a way in which there is there are spiritual sense objects. In fact, those are the real sense objects. And when we engage our senses in the service of those spiritual objects, that is Krishna and everything related to Krishna. Of course, everything's related to Krishna. And in expanding Krishna consciousness, one realizes that. If I see a, a sun ray on the ground, I think, oh, Krishna says, I am the light of the sun and the moon, and we feel a thrill. It's like, wait a minute, Krishna's right here, right now. And then there's also uh, the form of Krishna, which is the object of meditation for the devotees. Ananyas ye yejana paripasate. Krishna says, if someone meditates upon me, on my transcendental form, and that's their exclusive meditation, then there's a... a, a a different flow in life for such a person everything is happening on the internal level and one's not depending on the external world when we were just away i don't know if you know noticed or not because it was weekdays but we took a break uh near kula and i took a break because we usually do once a year but it got canceled last year because of the youth yatra which is better anyway but we still needed a break, at least four or five days where we could walk in nature and just be uh, <clears throat> in a discussion about the, what's most important in life and so forth. Helps to slow down for a few days, right? Say yes. yes. Yeah, you got to slow down. Krishna mentions it in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that you have to recreate. And by the way, we need more air in here. If you could get a cross ventilation, we'll immediately notice how our brains become. 62 percent more efficient and so i was watching in the from the place we were there was a window and i could watch there were a lot of animals because we were in a very natural area and some of them were rabbits little bunnies actually kind of cute christian's got a sense of humor he gets these long ears and a little little button tail they look so cute they'll probably bite you though and they're out there hopping around And uh, what are you guys eating? Like, it's a, I was thinking for all the deer and the bunnies and everybody else, we saw the cows there. The whole world is an open salad bar. It's like, (laughs) you come out, it's like, salad bar, help yourself, all you can eat. (laughs) And I was thinking how Krishna is so kind. He makes available to everybody all these amenities. They're naturally there. Of one who then gets superior knowledge and then engages his or her senses, hrishikena hrishikesha, engages the senses directly in Krishna's service, not through anamoy or indirectly, that I'm serving God by eating and I, I don't really have a clear awareness of where it's coming from, but we transfer everything to an understanding that this is coming from Krishna. And then there's a way that we develop gratitude and then we Want to offer service. So, sarvo padi manir muktan nirmalam, rishi kena rishi When the seva mood awakens, that I want to do something, this is the eternal dharma of the soul. And when that happens, then there's a higher taste. That this vishaya vinivartante niraharasadihina applies to those who are mechanically controlling their senses to, for, to reach a higher cause, because as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Without such sacrifice, no matter what practice you're in, and he names a a number of practices, the pranayama practice, and somebody else may be doing some jutta yoga, all these different ways that people try to control their senses, where are you going to find any any benefit in life without doing some sacrifice? And when one comes to the point of, of bhakti, Vasudeva Sarvamiti, then wants to offer service to Krishna, Then one starts to awaken a higher purpose in life and a taste that is beyond the the compulsion of the senses to engage with their objects. We transfer our attachment from serving the senses mechanically because we're forced by material nature, maya prakriti suitesa characaram, or prakriti guna. Gunakarmani, what did I say wrong? Prakriti Kriyamanani Gunai Karmani Sarvasha. There's a, a natural course in the material world. We don't question it until we do. And then when we do, then we're restraining. But then, Bhakti Ruchate, once we enter into this mood of seva, out of gratitude to Krishna, and we begin serving him and his senses, because he's Rishikesha, he's the master of our senses, the origin of our senses, then. Uh, param drishva Nivartate, we got a higher taste. And this is renunciation. Renunciation doesn't mean simply to eschew the material sense objects. Eschew doesn't mean to chew them. It means to give them up, to stand back from them. If you can look up the word, please, from our research department, eschew. And then we have this turiya. Turiya means the fourth dimension. We go past the three dimensions of the material world and we enter into the level of Vasudeva, where Krishna uh, lives, where we can see Krishna directly. We can see his senses. We can see his form. We can hear the transcendental vibration from the spiritual world. All that becomes clear to us. Then there's a natural way in which we're already transferred out of the material sense gratification and all of the interaction we have with our senses and the world goes on as if in an official way. This is mentioned by, about Sri Jaitanya Mahabrabhu when he was hearing from Surup Damodar and Ramananda Roy. He went on with his daily activities, which would be bathing, doing ablutions, and then doing his sandhya vandanas, and the different ways you have to eat and interact with the world. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with Kaviraj Goswami said he did it officially. It was only going on. I love saying that verse, sorry. And this means that the the person who's already Param Nivartate tasting something better by engaging in service to Krishna, the Supreme, then all the other activities of the senses, they're all official. Just watching them go on. I have nothing to do with this. This is not my realm. I'm in a different realm now. This constitutes real renunciation. What's more, there's a way in which the devotee sees then everything as an opportunity to serve Krishna. Previously, the conditioned soul would see everything as an opportunity for sense gratification. How is this going to fortify my position here in the material world, save me from death, or how is it going to give me status according to my material body, my name, my fame and reputation and so forth. But then one who's truly renounced is then interested only in increasing Krishna's fame and engaging in Krishna's service. And then one is known to be truly renounced. So all the ashramas are meant to reconnect ourselves with Krishna. As mentioned, uh, And that is the whole uh, system for human beings who are conditioned in the material world of four varnas and ashrams is created from the various parts of the body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in the next verse, it is said that If one engages in Varnashrama but neglects one's connection and service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, such so-called Varnashrama is useless. It's simply going through the motions, and actually it's offensive because you're not offering everything to Krishna. So in devotional service and in the ashramas that we have called Daivi Varnashrama, we're very purposefully aligning ourselves at each segment of our life to use our senses to engage in Krishna service, and then naturally we become detached from the ordinary course of sensual activities in the material world because we have param drishva, we've seen something superior, and this is true renunciation. One other point about this uh, ashrama system, and we talk about sannyas. So a nyasa, like the other day when we did the deity installation, remember that? Was anybody there? Yes, two people. So then, at the end, uh, uh, Suryakun Prabhu did a nyasa ceremony where you touch the different limbs of the the deity, the heart of the deity, and you say a mantra. And so this is called nyasa. And how many of you today have performed a nyasa? Everyone with tilak on should raise their hand. Did you put tilak on today? Okay. Well... Tilak is a nyasa. Nyasa means where you place something. So, Om Kesha Namaha. Om Narayanayanamaha, Om Adavainam, Om Govainainam, Vishnavainam, Madhusudan, Trivikram, Vamanaya, Shrirai, Hrishikeshanam, Padmanamaya, Dhamdharayanam, Vasudevainamaha. Right? You're placing a mantra, a different place of the body, and you're marking it with sacred Tilak. Yes? So, this is called a nyasa. So, sung means everything. Nyasa means where you place something, where it's properly placed. So Om Keshavaya goes here, right? Correct. So Om Keshvaya, Om Omadavainam, We know where everything goes, where all the mantras go. So sannyas, a sannyasi means one who knows where everything goes. Where does that thing go? That goes to Krishna. <laughs> What do, what do we do with this? We give it to Krishna. We give it to Krishna. Everything gets placed in its proper uh, in proper order in relationship to Krishna. This is called such a person knows how to put everything into Krishna's service. So whatever ashrama one's in, one should be sannyas. One should know how to place everything properly. When you set up your house, if you're a householder means you hold a house. You've got the papers, right? And then say, yeah, this is my house for now. Uh, then, uh, what do you do with your house? You put everything in the right order. Kitchen is meant to be uh, a place where you cook for Krishna, right? And then your altar, you have an altar in your house? Of course. That's the first thing when you're buying a house. Like, where's the temple room going to be? You look for everything you put in its place. Then everything you do throughout the day it's as an offering to krishna everything's put in its proper place next verse is number 3 Tasmin swa ashrame vyaso badaris shandamandite asino pa upashritya asino pa upashritya panida dyao manak svayam in that place please meditate on this this is a beautiful scene where Srila Vyasadeva has received instruction from his guru, who is? Nardamudi and it's in the previous chapters, right? And he, he told them, go back, get a little deeper, a lot deeper, and see this through samadhi, see the pastimes of the Lord. So he's gone back to his ashrama, which has a specific feature, and that is that it's beyond the modes of nature. That's a nice ashrama to have. And he's, he's uh, <clears throat> gone to that place. So it says, in that place, Sri in his own ashrama, you should have your own ashrama, which is surrounded by berry trees. That's why I like berries. Sat down to meditate after touching water for purification. So there's a way, very deliberate way that we approach the Lord. You know, we do a, a little achmana, like before we do yagyas, Omapavitra, We touch water. We're purifying ourselves. And then he sat down to meditate on whom? On the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport. Under instructions of his spiritual master, Shula Nardamuni, Vyasadeva concentrated his mind in that transcendental place of meditation. What does eshu mean? To what? To release? eshu. It means to refuse. Say how it's uh, pronounced. There. Eschu. Eschu. Um, it's a verb. It's spelled E S Chu. E S To refuse. How to, to give use. up the world by the author E S Chu. Okay. <laughs> to refuse to use or participate in, stand aloof from, shun or avoid. It comes from Old French, eschivir, which means to shun, eschew, avoid, or dispense with. And it comes from the German word, schuin, which means to fear, shun, or shrink from. Nice, huh? Not bad anyway. Eschew. Thank you. Bhakti yogi na manasi, samyak pranihite male, apashat purusham purna mayam cha. So if there's ever any, ever any time you were going to lean in and listen to something really carefully, this is it. Ready? Okay. 2%. Perfect vision of the absolute truth. Thus he fixed his mind, perfectly engaging it by linking it in devotional service, bhakti yoga, without any tinge of materialism. And thus he saw the absolute personality of God, along with his external energy, which was under full control. Bhakti means devotional service, yogena, by the process of linking up. Manasi, upon the mind, samyak, perfectly. Pranihite, engaged and fixed upon. Amale, without any matter. Apashcet, saw purusham, the personality of God, purnam, absolute, mayam, Energy, Cha, also Tut his apashrayam under full control. Purport, perfect vision of the absolute truth is possible only by the linking process of devotional service. This is also confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. One can perfectly realize the absolute truth, personality of Godhead, only by the process of devotional service, and one can enter into the kingdom of God by such perfect knowledge. Imperfect realization of the absolute by the partial approach of the impersonal Brahman or localized Paramatma does not permit anyone to enter into the kingdom of God. Sri Narada advised Srila Vyasadeva to become absorbed in transcendental meditation on the personality of Godhead and his activities." Srila Vyasadeva did not take notice of the effulgence of Brahman because that is not absolute vision. The absolute vision is the Personality of Godhead, as it is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 719, Vasudeva Sarvamiti. In the Upanishads also it is confirmed that Vasudeva, the Personality of Godhead, is covered by the glowing, golden glowing Hiranmayana Patrina veil, of impersonal Brahman and when that curtain is removed by the mercy of the Lord, the real face of the Absolute is seen. Verse, please. Someone give the translation as best they can from memory. We'll need microphones all over this whole room in the next half hour.
1: This verse talks about how Krishna or the Lord has a face, and that face is covered by um, dazzling effulgence. So the verse says, Please remove this um, effulgence that is, and show us really your, your face.
0: Thank you. The Absolute is mentioned here as the Purusha or person. The Absolute Personality of Godhead is mentioned in so many Vedic literatures and in the Bhagavad Gita. The Purusha is confirmed as the eternal and original person. Somebody give me a verse which says that the Lord is always a person. In fact, it those exact words in the translation. He is always a person. No, no, Bhagavad Gita. He's seen as smaller than the, I'll give a hint. It's in the verse where it says he's smaller than the smallest, larger than the largest. He's a maintainer of everything. He is always a person. Take the mic and then say it properly. I mean, that's properly shouted out too, but if you take the mic and say it very deliberately and slowly, that will be helpful. I remember only half of that. Half is good. You get one... You get credit even if you remember part of a verse. Translation, please.
1: One should meditate upon the Supreme Person as the one who knows everything as he who is the oldest, who is the controller, who is smaller than the smallest, who is the maintainer of everything, who is beyond all material conception, who is inconceivable, and who is always a person. He is luminous like the sun, and he is transcendental beyond this material nature.
0: Yeah, it's good to know, because we met a guy about 10 years ago when we were going door to door. He came out of his apartment, and when he saw what we were offering, he said, I already know everything. I called all the devotees, I said, you got to get up here, this guy knows everything. (laughs) He said, no, 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 not like that. And I said, okay. (laughs) But Krishna actually does. puranam. He's the oldest and he knows everything. But as a a very important in this verse, he's always a person. And one of the key points that uh, Srila Vyasadeva is going to bring out, and does bring out, and Narada brings out, is unless we go to the person the personality of godhead ravindaksha vamuktimaninas all other conceptions leave us short of we don't have a perfect conception of god until we have the personal conception yet punkacha vilas, vilasya i'm sorry yet punkacha, palasa vilasya bhakta vilasa bhakta means that when we know the person there's vilas. There's this interaction that is happy. And that's the happiness we seek. All the other f- forms, when we meet Paramatma, we become cerebral, and we're like, wow. He's all-pervading. He's the, the intuition behind the birds that are flying here, there, and everywhere. When we were just away, we saw these sea birds. And they'd get together, and they're flying very deliberately in a certain direction. They're like, how do you guys know where you're going anyway? and and down to the little microbes, everybody knows what they're doing because Ekopya so, Racharitum Jagaranda Kotim, Yachchakti Rasti, Jagaranda Chaya Yaranta, Andanta Rasta Paramanu Chayanta Govinda Mari Tamahambari, Ishvara Sarva Bhutanam, Rideshara Janatistati, Samabhutani, Yantra Rudrani Mayaya, Sarvasya Chaham, Ridisani Vishto, Mataksmitir Gyanam, Apohanamcha. So, Krishna's there within the heart; he's directing everything. And then the Brahman effulgence of the Lord. There's an undifferentiated sense. There's no quality there except a the sense of existence. And then there's cognition, the chit within the paramatma. But Ananda, Ananda comes from the realization of. Bhagavan. And it's in that there's there's Vilas. And only there, says the Bhagavatam, does one have full liberation. Because then we're, as we mentioned earlier, we're engaged in a higher activity. That is, the bliss of service to the Supreme Personality of God in, in different varieties, according to our nature. And it's because of that, that we're able to disregard or eschew the offerings, the multifarious offerings given to us by the material nature, which to the eye of somebody who's gone into the realm of Turiya, beyond the modes of material nature, these are all the same thing. Pebbles, stones, and gold. If you see pebbles, stones, and gold, it's like the same category. It's all the material world. What am I going to do with that stuff, except engage it in Krishna's service? But it's all the same. And if you get chat... What is it called? AI? Chat what? Chat, chat GBC. Chat GBT. G... G-B-T. GPT. Chat GBT. And it has one billion search engines working at the same time. It's still pulling in the three modes of material nature. It's all it can do. It's like, here you go. Here's here's all the stuff that's available just to... Uh, at the command of the person who's running the keyboard, but it it all comes back to the same thing for the person who's achieved this sense of the personality of Godhead. And this is where real Ananda, or the connection to the Supreme, takes place. And that's what's being described here. So Srila Vyasadeva has realized, is realizing the here, uh, the Purusha. The absolute is mentioned here as the Purusha or person. The absolute personality of God it is mentioned in so many Vedic literatures and in the Bhagavad Gita, the Purusha is confirmed as the eternal and original person. The absolute personality of God it, is the perfect person. The supreme person has manifold energies out of which the internal External and marginal energies are specifically important. The energy mentioned here is the external energy, as will be clear from the statements of her activities. The internal energy is there along with the Absolute Person as the Moonlight is there with the Moon. So if you say, I saw the full Moon, you know that you saw the Moonlight. So in a similar way, Purusham Purnam. if you saw the complete Person, Purusham Purusha Purnam, the the whole personality from whom everything else emanates, then you also know that you saw the energies that come from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Because the Supreme Personality, Subhavika, Jnana, Bala, Kriya there are unlimited energies that manifest from the Supreme. And that's the meaning of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is that he is the energetic from whom multifarious energies emanate. The external energy is compared. Now, play attention to this part, the last part of the paragraph. This may be relevant. You can tell me how it's relevant when I read it, Okay? Say yes. Yes. The external energy is compared to darkness because it keeps the living entities in the darkness of ignorance. The word apashrayam suggests that this energy suggests that this energy of the Lord is under full control. Is it under our full control? Did you ever feel like your life is out of control? Yeah, (laughs) somebody enthusiastically said yes. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's out of control. It's always in control, Krishna's control. It doesn't mean there's chaos in the universe. It just means that according to my plan to manipulate the material energy in my way, it's out of my control, not out of Krishna's control ever. That's good to know, right? Say yes. The internal potency or supreme energy is also called maya, but it is spiritual maya or energy exhibited in the absolute realm. I'll read that again. The internal potency or spiritual energy is also called maya, but it is spiritual maya or energy exhibited in the absolute realm. When one is under the shelter of this internal potency, the darkness of material Ignorance is at once dissipated. And even those who are Rama, or fixed in trance, take shelter of this maya, or internal energy. Devotional service, or bhakti yoga, is the function of the internal energy. Thus, there is no place for the inferior energy or material energy, just as there is no place for darkness in the effulgence of spiritual light." Such internal energy is even superior to the spiritual bliss attainable in the conception of impersonal Brahman. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that the impersonal Brahman effulgence is also an emanation from the absolute personality of God shri Sri Krishna. The Parama Purusha cannot be anyone except Shri Krishna himself, as will be explained in the later shlokas. So we'll just take a short um, time for some questions. Questions to make the conversation deeper? It's a weird way to say that, but, or reflections. Yes, Yashoda Kripa. Hare Krishna. So, Maharaj, you started the
1: session with this idea of renunciation, and um, I was uh, remembering um, one lecture of Shri Prabhupada, where actually I could resonate the same idea with this topic, where he uh, refutes the very idea of renunciation saying that for renouncing something you must first own thing own something so when we don't even own something how can we even think of renouncing something so what is ours at the first place there is nothing so it means the idea of renunciation is fundamentally wrong
0: right i mean wrong yes <laughs> uh, that's exactly right therefore there are three paths mentioned there's the path of Material enjoyment, there's a path of renouncing the world, and then there's a path of service to Krishna. So, in the path of material enjoyment, there's a problem, and that is Chapala Sukha. Lord Chaitanya taught this. Chapala Sukha means flickering happiness. Don't you hate it when you're talking to somebody on the phone and then you have to say, Are you still there? Are you still there? <laughs> Don't you hate that? I just think, like, I just paid. A $1,000 for this, and I can't even hear the person on the other side. What to speak of the monthly charges, just to keep it going. And then you can't hear. And when it's shaky, it's chapala. It's here, there, gone up. So happiness that is flickering is no happiness at all. And Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, He says, any of the happiness that you conceive of as srisya, you're touching the senses to their objects, and you think this is going to be happy. He said, no, it's not. It's going to give you misery instead of happiness. You're going to get the opposite result of what you want. Good to know, right? Good information. So this is chapala sukha. And then, he caught, and then Lord Jaitanya taught Sanatana Goswami about bhoga tiaga. So bhoga, because the suka in the material world is chapala, it's flickering. It's worse than that, actually. It's because it gives the opposite result. We get misery from the so-called happiness we endeavor for in the material world. Therefore, Prahlad Maharaj says, uh, where is it? What's the verse? Uh, He's asking the question in the the ninth chapter, 7-9, that where is this so-called happiness? Shruti sukham. Mrigatrishni Rupa. He said it's Shruti Sukham. You hear about the happiness in the material world, but you never quite get there. It's the kind of happiness where you're invited to somebody's house. They're going to feed you, and they give you a nice seat in the living room. The kitchen's right next door. You know something's cooking because you know that, what are those things called, the pressure cooker? It's going. And you can hear some pots moving around, but it's getting later and later and later. And they're still talking to you about their kids and you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the scores they got on their uh, SATs. And you know you're hungry, and it's getting later. And then they bring you a little of water, but just water. It doesn't have any glucose in it to, for your brain, you know, so you can perk up. It's just flavored water with nothing in it, and you drink that. And you're thinking, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. I wish they would stop talking and feed us. But they never do. And that's the material world. That, uh, where, what's the first word? Kutra Ashisha. Kutra. Where is this benediction we're hearing about? Ashisha. It's a kutra. Where is it? Prahlad Maharaj is saying, he's a little boy. And he's saying, everyone's talking about the happiness you're going to get by working hard in the material world. He says, kutra. Where is it again? Could you tell where it is? Kutarashi saw some benediction you're hoping for. Shruti sukham. He said you only hear about it. You never actually get it. Just like at the person's house, they're like, "Yeah, we're going to feed you," not. And then they, it doesn't come out. And then he says, "Mriga trishni rupa." Mriga's the deer, and the deer in the in the desert runs after the mirage, thinking that they're going to get water, and they never get there. And this, the rupa, the form of the material world, is a mirage by nature. It's just a reflective image of the spiritual world. So you're not going to get the happiness that you're looking for here in the material world. Good to know. So, yes, chapa, lasuka, and then boga, tiaga. Once you go for that happiness and you find yourself stymied, is that a word in the dictionary? Stymied? I'll try to find that one. Stymied by your endeavor for happiness, and you get misery instead, then you go back to Tiaga. So these are the two paths. Boga, I'm trying to enjoy because it looks like I can. And I have an opportunity, and I go for it, and then I suffer instead. So then I say, I give up the world. But it's, unfor- it's not our world to give up. But the middle path is, I see everything in the universe as paraphernalia to be used in Krishna's service. Then, following that path, we can truly be happy. Okay, a couple more. Yes, Bali Prabhu? And then we have Pavani Bhakti. We don't see Vaikuntha Nayaka Prabhu yet, otherwise he'd be in the top left screen. Okay, go ahead. I can see Vaikuntha Prabhu. Prabhu. He's there, but no hand up yet. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we all notice <know> <laughs> Vaikuntha Prabhu. Thank you. So I have one uh, reflection and then one question. So let oh. me start with the reflection. Um, regarding the same renunciation, there is one Radha Govind Maharaj was giving a lecture, I was listening. There was a king called named uh, Bhartuhari in the Vedic uh, literature. So the Bhartuhari, he renounced his kingdom and went to the forest and doing meditation. But on the other one side, one day, an old lady, uh, he was going to the bank of the Godavari to take her bath and on the side he saw a two uh, monk, they are fighting because there is a banyan tree and in the tree there is a nail. And they are fighting, this is my nail, because they put their cloth. So they are fighting, that, how come you put your cloth, your towel in my nail. This is, It is just a one, you can find out any branches and hang your cloth. But they are fighting for a long time. So the old lady come and told, look, look at the king Bhartu he left the kingdom and went to the forest, and the two guys are fighting for a little bit of nail space. Then the other person, one monk, fell down at the lotus feet of the old lady and said, oh, my mother, I am very sorry, I am that King Bhartwari. Just imagine, he left it and is fighting for the nail. And you gave me the realizations that, again, I have a subtle, anywhere I go, no matter how I leave my space, anywhere I go, there is a places of chances of attachment and engagement. And my other question is uh, back to the Bhagavatam, the one you mentioned about Vyasadeva. Why he realized the absolute personality of Godhead along with Maya? Because it is said, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, what is your realization? He said, my realization is to see the Syamasundara form of the Lord. Nothing else, not even four-handed form, the Syamasundara form. But here Vyasadeva is Hiranmaya Patrena, that is removed. The effulgence is removed, but he should have seen the whole personality without Maya. But he is seeing along with the Maya.
0: So how? What is the meaning behind it? Could you explain? He's he's seeing the, the complete absolute truth, which includes, as the Vishnu Purana says, Vishnu uh, Shakti Para Prokta, Shetragya Tatapara Vidya Karma Tritya Tritiya Shaktirishite. There's these three main categories in the complete conception of the absolute truth. There's the internal energy, the external energy, and the marginal energy. So in seeing, as he's going to be presenting to all of us the absolute truth, he's necessarily seeing these three energies. And it's very important to note that he sees Maya as being outside. That's number one. And also that she's a servant. She's a servant of the Lord. Similar to Mangal Takwar, when he mentions that those who are engaged in internal energy through the process of bhakti yoga note that Maya is there, but she's there as a servant. She's outside, and liberation is there, uh, dharma, artha, karma, moksha, all the different aspects of the Lord's energies, they're all outside waiting, Like, how can I serve you? So in different places, the, the emphasis is there, specifically on the, the vision of the devotee and the... This is the complete vision to see that Krishna's there and his energies are there. It's one of the very ins- specific and important aspects of this verse is to note that Krishna has energies. Because, of course, in other philosophies like Shankaracharya, the issue of the material world and Maya, this is one of the, the, as you remember, Radhika Ruman Prabhu, when he presented this point, uh, this, this talk on the Tupfa he said uh, To the two big questions to answer are: Is God personal or impersonal? And then the second one is: What to do about Maya? What to do about the material world? It's it's a, a a question which is in all theological circles called theodicy. So, if God is all good and He's all powerful, then why is there evil in the world? And then the, the materialistic person who doesn't have this complete vision that there is the personality of God in and his servant is Maya. How he's serving? He's serving by purifying the living entities so that they'll come back into the fold of the spiritual world. If they don't have that vision, then they say, well, God's just cruel. He must be a monster if he's all-powerful, but he's not merciful because he's making us suffer. Or he's all-merciful, but he's not all-powerful. What could he do? But the idea of God is that he's the 3o god he's omniscient omnipotent and omnipotent uh, no omniscient omnipotent and omnipotent the 3o god so the 3o god how can you then explain maya or the or the material energy and that has to be explained in the Srimad bhagavatam so that we can understand what our relationship is with maya and what god's relationship is with maya also that's one of the main important aspects of philosophy, especially religious philosophy, is say, why does the world exist? And what is God's part in it? And Krishna answers that in the Bhagavad Gita, and it's very well answered in the Bhagavatam also. And this is the introduction to that point. This is the jumping off point. These verses specifically uh, are important, as Sri Vaspanda Prabhu pointed out when Radhika gave this class, and he was asking for, where in the Bhagavatam should we look for points? And Shriva said, yeah, look look right in these verses, right? Wasn't that you? I think so. Okay, a couple more questions. Yes, Kennedy.
2: <sighs> Hare Krishna. Uh, I just had a quick uh, reflection, which was, Nothing in this world is free except for Krishna's causeless mercy. Everything else comes at a cost, which is repeated birth and death. And so long as we remain in that duality, we're only ever running in circles.
0: Yeah, good points. Summarized as, if all else fails, and it will, chant Hare Krishna. (laughs) Yeah, that's a nice summarization. And it's one that's not widely known because we don't have the teaching uh, or people generally don't have the teaching of the bhagavatam which is being presented here in seed form that there is a god he has multiple energies we have a relationship with him but right now we're in relationship with maya or the external energy and to know the futility of our relationship with maya is a good start we also have to know our relationship with krishna Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, beautiful morning program, Prabhu. Thank you.
0: And uh, this uh, particular, like the
2: sanyas, means you know everything, where it goes, and especially using it in the service of Krishna. Um, the question, one question I have, Maharaj, is uh, how the renunciation and regulating uh, the senses correlates? Because to regulate senses, something needs to be renounced in a beginning stage. So how both can be coordinated?
0: Well, we regulate them by engaging them in what we call ajata ruchi, raganuga sanana bhakti All our activities actually are precursors to awakening a spontaneous love for Krishna. So think about the ways that we control our senses. We don't just go sit in a ring of fire and then try to tolerate it, right? We don't sit in... Freezing cold water, although I hear that's good for you, um, just for the sake of seeing how we can tolerate the senses. This is a militant approach to controlling the senses. And Krishna brings it up in his teachings to Uddhava in the 11th of the Srimad Bhagavatam. He says sometimes people militantly try to control the senses. And he gives an example so I'm like, I'm going to control the tongue by fasting. So it doesn't mean fasting on Janmashtami, because we get really blissful when we do that, right? By the end of the day, it was like, eat? I forgot. I was too busy at being happy all day long and just chanting. And so it means that I'm going to, tongue, that's it. No more for you. So Krishna says, here's what happens. After you do that for some time, then the tongue goes back, comes back to you later and goes, excuse me, sir, but you owe me. <laughs> you owe me 10 times more now because you left me out in the cold. You didn't give me anything. Whereas we have don't get excited. Um, but that's why that prayer is so relevant. Is Because, no, we're not just starving the tongue. We're giving prasad. And he says in a later prayer that what a yogi gets after 10,000 years of repressing the senses, we're going to get in one sitting by honoring prasadam of the Lord. So that's the difference between bhakti and militantly uh, neglecting the senses. So when we regulate the senses, what do we do? We have a morning program. So we want to wake up early because we don't want to miss it, right? Yes. Say yes. yes. Yeah. So uh, on the way up, wherever we were going, we were listening. I found this old uh, CD. I think Dravida made it. And it's called The Morning Program. And as all the morning program starts with Prabhupada Singh, Samshara-dhavan, nana-lida-loka. Then what comes after that? And no, after the Samshara-dhavan. <laughs> <laughs> tol- yeah, Nisringadev, right? And then there's? Then what? <laughs> the Ten Offenses, probably Shriksashtakam. And then we have uh, Guru Puja. No, Srimad or whatever, you know, anyway, you all know. So there are all, all these things, and I was listening to it. I was like, wow, that goes along for, goes on for a long time. If that's your morning, I mean, you, uh, you're you just absorbed in singing, dancing, swaying, playing, playing musical instruments, dancing, just like the the verse says in the Guru Vashtakam. And then your whole morning's gone. It's like, what did you do this morning? Oh, I was dancing and singing. And, and then, uh, what have, well, did you eat? Yeah, it was prasadam, and it, so these are all activities that lead to spontaneous devotional service. And we're engaging our senses. Somebody's in ecstasy back there. We're engaging our senses in in uh, relationship to Krishna. In the beginning, we're doing it because we uh, we may be attracted to CNN instead. And therefore, we say, no, no, we have to go and regulate our senses by hearing the Mangalartik instead. And then gradually, gradually, we get get taste. So it's not just restricting the senses, but our regulation of the senses means to engage them in sensual activities in relationship to Krishna. And that will come to fruition where the senses awaken. And each one of the senses will be strongly attracted to seeing Krishna, to hearing about Krishna, to tasting Krishna Prasadam, all the sensual activities are meant to be engaged in Krishna service. That's how they are originally. Prabhupada once gave the example of how our senses are engaging with the world now. If you take your tongue and wrap it in gauze, you know what that is? And then try to enjoy a rasgula. Rasgula is the... It's this squeaky-clean Bengali suite. It's so subtle. You can get them at Casey Das. In fact, when the devotees first went to Calcutta, Prabhupada saw Casey Das. you know Casey Das? It's a sweet shop in Calcutta. I think it's kind of like Starbucks here. But <laughs> Casey Das, he said, they're so first-class, they're so sattva, sattvic there. You can take those sweets. It was before we had facility at the Calcutta temple. You can offer them Toshishi Radhigovinda, to they're so first class there. And the rasgula, even now, it comes in a clay pot with a little straw wrapped around the outside with a banana leaf over it. And you get a pot full of rasgulas, yeah? <laughs> and those rasgula, it's a sublime, it's a little chilled, and then you take it out of this syrupy sauce, and then you, offer a Krishna pop it in your mouth <laughs> and it just has this sublime sattvic taste and there's if the if the rasgulla is made properly then there's a little squeaky squeaky sensation if it's done right and that's a rasgula. <laughs> but we don't get that in the material world the sen- the senses are so Accustomed to the lower modes of material nature, people eat horrible things. This is something that um, one of our acharyas writes in a song. He said, Everyone's here in the material world, all living entities, they're just eating abominable things. Even the rabbits, I saw them yesterday. They're eating the salad bar of the material world, but like, yeah, you want a little something on that? Or, you know, they're just eating grass, basically, and whatever they find on the ground. And it's, it's not palatable prasadam forget how we got into this, but engaging the senses in Krishna's service is sublime. And it happens very quickly for the devotees engaged in devotional service because it's quite natural. And the happiness of regulating the senses by engaging them in Krishna's service is unparalleled. And it leads to unlimited, ever-increasing happiness of the senses, engaging them in Krishna's service. Service Okay, the last question comes just at the last minute from Vaikuntha May- Nayaka Prabhu. All the way from Mysore, the home of Mysore pack.
3: Dhanda <laughs> Pranam Guru Maharaj, dhanda to all the Thank devotees so, for so nicely encouraging me. I just had a reflection about the bhoga and the tyaga, the chakra that you mentioned. Uh, I was reminded of a quote that's become very famous by one author, I think it's name Michael Hopp something. Those Who Remain, he has written this book and uh, the quote goes something like this, like uh, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men and strong men create good times. Uh, so I was thinking that good times is the bhoga and the hard times is the uh, tyaga. So just like how it happens in a cycle, uh, the good times, you just cannot have only the good times. It leads to the hard times, and in the hard times you feel, okay, let me do some austerity, and you do some tyaga, and you get to the good times. Then again, you get puffed up, and you do something mischievous, and you fall into hard times. So just wanted to share that. Thank you.
0: This is such a good point. And then uh, finally... We have to have information about Krishna. We have to have access to Krishna in order to break that cycle. And this is the revelation Srila Vyasadeva brings us. By the order of his spiritual master, after seeing everything that Vyasadeva had compiled, he's the compiler, the editor of all the information available. He brought it forth for the Kali Yuga. He gave a lot of information that led people to an idea that perhaps I can still balance things here in the material world. And his spiritual master didn't like that. He said, you have to give them, them means the world, a clear conception of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God. Otherwise, they'll inevitably take advantage of the loopholes that you left behind. Give them the perfect system, which is Krishna consciousness and Srimad Bhagavatam. So, last point. Because've had your hand up since time immemorial, and we have another one online, okay.
3: Yeah, I wanted to say that um it is such a relief that uh, there is a supreme controller, and he is a person, and most important, I am not him. And uh, I was thinking that all I have to do is just uh, do unconditional, uninterrupted service, and he takes care of everything. So your class today reminded me of that point.
0: These are nice summations. You should collect those and put them on a wall somewhere. But that's, that's a good summation of the points. Thank you very much. And because of my... Shankari course here, okay. That's who that is in the top left. Please go ahead, Shankari Kaur. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Just a very uh, quick reflection. You just
3: mentioned about K.C. Das, and that's very close to my house where I stay in Kolkata. So before coming to Krishna Consciousness, we would look at K.C. Das, oh, tin of rasgullas. But now after hearing the stories from you, every time I pass through, it's become an udipan
0: to remember Prabhupada you. So how the perspective just changes, um, you know, uh, I just wanted to share that, so Krishna. Yeah, it's good case in point that we see the world in a certain way. We're in the same world when we come to Krishna consciousness, but we adjust the way we see it. Instead of seeing it as a place, how can I enjoy it? And really, how many rasculas can you want to eat? <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you maybe in your youth you can eat more, but later on it becomes really dangerous. But how many can you offer to Krishna the satisfaction of making raskulas for Krishna, maintaining a Goshala so you have local ahimsa milk to offer to Krishna, and then taking the time, the cooking of it, and then putting it on the plate, putting a tulsi leaf, offering to Krishna, then the real satisfaction in the heart arises. And of course, honoring afterwards, honoring prasad means you're remembering, oh, I offered this to Krishna with love, he took it and then there's that intimate connection. Lord Chaitanya said, Krishna Pela. When he tasted some of the prasad, he said, oh, this has Krishna's, he's already tasted this, so the flavor of his mouth is in the prasadam. And this is the kind of ecstasy that fills up the heart that one gets from eating (laughs) raskulas.